Welcome to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss popular and interesting travel industry posts which appeared on LinkedIn during the last week. And occasionally we might talk about stories which appear elsewhere. Before we continue, on behalf of Linking the Travel Industry, we just want to express our condolences to the people in the travel industry of Tanzania who's had a terrible uh, aircraft incident with Precision Air. Um, we are thinking of them and um, our colleagues down there. Be aware the session is being recorded um, because we do make it available as a podcast afterwards. And we definitely welcome audience participation. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and get on stage. My name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I'm the CEO of Agentivity, where we help travel management companies gain insight into and control all of their businesses, as well as achieve scalable growth through the effective use of their data. And my name is Anne. Welcome, everybody, to our LinkedIn Live session. I'm an independent consultant in the travel industry, primarily with airlines, working for the brands of Leapshift and Explortech. And I don't know how we're going to wing it without Ash. <laughs> <laughs> we are already mixing things up. And as you can see, so yes. in the audience, please forgive us. We are definitely missing the professional balance of the, the voice that is Ash's, right? So we're just going to mess him and I'm sure we'll, we'll mess up a few things. So, um, and something else I'm going to try today is I'm going to buy that. Sh I'm, I'm, despite us saying I shouldn't, I'm going to try and play that uh, little short clip between our stories just to break it up and um, see how that works for us today. Nice to see some familiar faces there. Sue, Daniel, Jonathan, Alfred, all of you. Welcome, Rahid. Welcome. Thank you for joining us and giving us your time today. The format of this session is around a post that I do on a Friday, and then we discuss it. That post is about interesting stories that I spotted on LinkedIn in the week. So my first story was actually one of Asha's stories, and we were hoping, right, Anne, that Asha would be here to give <laughs> yes. us some detail behind that story. But now we're going to have to pretend that we've read it and studied it and know all about it. But in all seriousness, the story was about Mexican airlines might soon be facing stiff competition on their domestic routes because currently there are three Mexican airlines owning 97% of the domestic market and the president of Mexico has decided he would like to open up that market and get you know, we assume just better competition and therefore better results for their consumers. So, Anne, again, neither of us know too much about yeah. the story. We're banking on Ash to tell us more about it. But interesting take, right? I mean, I think we did a little bit of homework before the show and you found out that the... I, I have read the article and, and of course, you know, it, we can only speculate, you know, of course, yes, it, it does open, it would open up competition. And one speculation could be the relationship between Viva and Allegiant, and maybe it's encouraging that partnership even further. But then at the same time, as we found out, Rian, is that the Mexican government are planning a state-owned airline. That's where it gets a bit confusing to me. So Interesting story on the list. I think it is very good mm. that um, there will be more competition. It's always good for the consumer, right? So that could just be a good thing. Absolutely. The next story is something that I saw posted by Max. I can never pronounce his surname correctly, so I'm going to try. Janoff, I think so. But uh, I do follow Max. He's, he posts some really interesting stories, and he posted about Booking.com and Agoda being fined by South Korea's antitrust regulators for not showing that some results are influenced by appetizers. The fine was quite substantial. It was uh, 1.75 million US dollars. And um, that was directed at Booking.com and also for Agoda. 
And um, it was just because they weren't including advisory to the consumer that some of the search results were based on um, advertising. So most of the comments on that post agreed with that. And do you agree? I do agree. I, I think, you know, I think this is a really, really important topic because as we've spoken about so many times before, there are only few search results. I mean, we can talk about offering thousands and thousands of options to the consumer, right? But at the end of the day, the consumer is only going to be interested in perhaps, and this is pushing it the first 10 or whatever. And I do think for the benefit of the consumer, I think it's only fair when, when it is being you know shown that is based on advertising so, so i agree with with those comments don't you yeah, yeah absolutely 100 so i mean I, I compared it to almost anything else you use these days um mm. you you mm. always see a little indicator that there's a sponsored content you know, even on amazon for instance when the results come out, it does say this is sponsored so it's just good to know that they've paid for their position and it allows you as the consumer to at least differentiate there so hopefully you know it influences their offering there then talked about a post that I did, which was uh, about Qatar Airways and their fairly outspoken, as always, CEO calling out Qantas and how Qantas is effectively limiting Qatar's ability to grow their routes into Australia. You know, the, the CEO of uh, Qatar is well known for speaking out, uh, Mr. Akbar Al-Bakr, as usually didn't mince his words. Now, the, 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 the strange thing is, of course, they're both in the same alliance. And so that might have made it for a bit of uncomfortable, I don't know if you want to call it, you know, exchange there between yeah. them. But he is just saying that he doesn't um, think that the position of Qantas is fair and uh, what they're doing there is stifling growth. I mean, he was quoting the fact that Qantas has reduced its ability by 50% and, you know, airfares are high. It's expensive at the moment to get to Australia and he wants to extend their flights, Qatar's flights, by an extra or a capacity of 21 extra flights. What do you make of this? I think there's more to the story, but it's not really as if these, I mean, you can always discuss, and this was done on the post as well, which I think is really relevant. What is their own position? We have this protection by governments in many parts, different parts of the globe. And of course, many governments have really vested interests as well, as also just pointed out. I mean, there are so many taxpayers that obviously have contributed to the funds of airlines that it sometimes is, is really shocking <clears throat> and maybe money should be spent elsewhere, but that's a different story. It's a recurring topic, isn't it, Rianne? It's, it is. it's, it's very difficult. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was the first comment that uh, I think Peter Evans made on my post saying, I suspect Qatar would protect Qatar Airways if there was anything you know like this in their market. Absolutely. And we know that they enjoy uh, a lot of benefits uh, operating from that market. So yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question. Nonetheless, it was interesting that he voiced this in public, and I'm going to keep a close eye on to see what's happening, what's going to happen here, because again, it is it is today it is very expensive to get to Australia because mm. there's a lot of availability. You know, they've not been enjoying a, a great amount of um, positive news lately, so it will be interesting to see how this goes down. <laughs> 
The next post was about Carlson Wagon Lee uh, taking away some much needed, I would imagine, business from the HRS group. They won the hotel business of the corporate travel of Amazon, which I imagine is substantial. The article itself was behind uh, a firewall because it was on the company dime uh, website. So you had to be a subscriber there to see the full article. It's just, you know, interesting how that business was won. I would imagine foot in the door type approach for Carlson Wagon Lee there. They will definitely try and get more, you know, of that business. But uh, that was just interesting to note, and I don't think there's too much to discuss there, Anne, unless you have any other views on that. Yeah, no, it's not my sort of core expertise, um, but of course it's huge. That must be a massive deal. It must be a very good deal for them, absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. It would be interesting to see if they win more business there than just the hotel business at some stage. <laughs> The next story is about a shocking post. It made me sit up quite a bit because it was posted by Rob Burgess, who's well known in the industry, and he talked about British Airways and how money, you know, absolutely talks. He talks about the fact that um, if you are a corporate buyer with British Airways and you have a certain spend, then you will get a card, and um, this card will allow you to pretty much get any seat on the plane that you want. And so he has has a scenario where you know his trip was disrupted because somebody with that sort of card had to claim a seat, and it involved one of his family members that had to move. And did you read the story? And uh, did you find it as shocking as, as me, or is it old news? It's old news to me. It, it exists with every airline, every airline that I know of. There, there is always these kind of these these passengers who hold, um, a, should we say, a hidden status that is the status beyond all other status. And yeah. it really allows them many benefits. I have I've seen it. I've worked with it. I've seen it in real life. So, so it wasn't shocking in any way. I was uh, I was a bit upset, but because in in this case he was traveling with his family and uh, one of the kids were moved and it was you know separated. It was it was just not very nice. Even yeah. even the the passenger who was moved nice. had a you know had a status with the airline itself. It was quite strange. You would expect them to move a single traveler or something like that. That's that's really off. I mean, yes. I, I don't understand how yes. you can, you know, not handle, because that's also part of the discretion, I think, that you have to handle it with um, special care, so to speak, definitely. It needs to be managed really well. You know, there are certain rules in the airline industry, like, for instance, uh, one passenger you don't offload is an unaccompanied minor. That unaccompanied minor takes priority. Actually, it takes priority uh, above the ones that are, you know, the sort of hidden secret loyalty status. Because, I mean, you can't you can't dump a kid no. <laughs> that's unaccompanied, right? Yes. That's pretty bad. So you have to... And there is the media aspect of that as well. So yeah, sure. there are, but there is a lot of automation, of course, that you can put into all of this and, and you can use, um, you know, let's broadly call it AI, but you can, you know, use a lot of different mechanisms to make this work. And of course there has to, you know, you're not going to tell me that that child was the only passenger that could actually be shifted around. You can yeah. shift around several multiple passengers and, and to the to the desired effect, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I'm sure there was a bit of a, a mess made there. But uh, yeah, he wasn't very happy about yeah. it. I'm sure his post um, was well read by many people because he's quite, uh, quite influential. So, and the next one you really liked, it was um, by uh, Shashank, who posted about how Emirates is, you know, using, you know, a very cheeky way, using their um, 
social media to to flirt with the Air Canada partnership, right? You really like that post and how they oh, did it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think it's so good. It's so cool. And it really shows that they've, they've adopted what we can, you know, I sort of tend to call it the sort of Ryanair marketing, right? Because they do it extremely well. I don't know if you saw when I shared today, I shared the post on Ryanair. It's one of their latest when they have used a fictitious country in Europe. It's all related to the Elon Musk debate and that they are taking the mick a bit. So yes, I'm impressed to see, for lack of a better word, but I mean, Emirates is a traditional airline, should we call it that? And it's really great to see that they move in marketing ways that, you know, it's kind of expected from a not so traditional airline. And I love it. It, it really appeals to me. Yeah, I mean, they could have just, again, issued a boring old press statement, mm-hmm. and, you know, had a conference, etc. But instead, they chose mm-hmm. to do it in a, in a very nice way. And it, it just, with it, it's really nice. I, I do like it myself. So uh, well done to them. Yeah, and they've, they've really shown us that they're, they're just getting better and better at this. And they're sort of leaving that very, like you said, this very formal, boring that we've seen. It's a bit like ads as well that we've also discussed a lot. You know, these boring ads that all look the same. It's the the same sort of standard looking couple and the two standard 2.9 children, right? And it's it's also, it's it's very boring. Sorry, but it is boring. No, it's very nice. I love the fact that they take the boring out of these things. And uh, again, it should be a very interesting partnership. We're not actually talking about the partnership much. We're just talking about <laughs> the way in which they're going to launch it. But uh, surely it's yeah. going to be quite interesting. So I think this is this is one for us to talk about next week. What does he make of that? Mm, yes, absolutely. And it is a very interesting partnership. I mean, just looking at this whole um, Emirates, United, Air Canada. I wonder who's next. It's got to be someone over Asia way, right? It's about Air India, uh, you know, under their new Tartner management, uh, finalizing the deal to acquire Air Asia India. First of all, Anne, I wasn't aware there was an Air Asia India. Were you expecting this uh, acquisition? I, I was yeah. expecting it, actually. And yes, I knew about AirAsia India. And to me, it does make sense under the Tata umbrella. Um, hopefully, Tata can turn around, you know, so many of these by no stretch of the imagination, I'm not, you know, any in any way an Indian aviation expert of any sorts. But yeah, I, I think it makes sense in the Tata portfolio. It does. Yes, I, I mean, I don't know too much about this at all, but it, it, obviously, logically, it makes sense and it allows them to continue with their, you know, expansion plans. So yeah, it was just uh, a surprise for me mm. to hear about Air Asia, India, and, and it's. Yeah. It's it's a huge market, of course. I mean, it's so massive that it's the potential um, of this market is surreal. So our future story was about the ITA Airways sale running into trouble. Um, I saw this in a post by uh, Stefan Thiel, where he was asking the question if it's just politics or if there's something else happening there. The story is about the fact that ITA Airways sale did not conclude in time and that the um, Italian government is, is running out of patience there. So the deal effectively is running into trouble. First question to you, George, is, is that a surprise to you or, or is it not a surprise that the deal is not going through? No, it's not a surprise. Knowing that um, Airways was 100%, is a 100% governmental company and me being an ex 
Italian uh, governmental company being in Alitalia, I knew that is going to evolve that because I knew that uh, there were two different decisions. One, the decision of the president of uh, ETA Airways, Teral Tavila, was uh, pro uh, entering the um, MSC Lufthansa candidacy for uh, buying the uh, 70% of the company. And uh, the CEO, Mr. Lanzarini, which um, was pro uh, Delta, a France KLM candidate to buy. There was a big fight between these two. And uh, only very recently, a couple of weeks ago, I saw that uh, during the absence of the president uh, in a board meeting, they voted uh, to uh, discharge him from uh, all major uh, responsibilities related to this, um, uh, to many activities uh, in the company. So, um, and therefore, after doing that, they assigned Centaris as um, the lead, let's say, candidate for an exclusive audit for the purchase of the 60% of the shares. So I knew that this is going to not end well. And it, in fact, it didn't end well, knowing that previous government has fallen. The elections came up where the, the nationalist party uh, of Mrs. Meloni, of, of Prime Minister Meloni now, had a totally different um, vision on where Ita Airways want to go. They want to see a little bit more the Italianity in, inside it. Therefore, they are saying that we're reviewing everything. We are um, waiving now this due diligence, this exclusive due diligence, and uh, we're rediscussing everything related to it, Airways with Lufthansa and with Delta separately. And let's not forget, uh, it's been uh, ages now that they're discussing that. The value of the company has been falling down, is losing 1.5 million a day, as the Italian newspapers say. It's really doubtful where and how it will end up and at which price, practically, because the initial price of um, 700, uh, 800 million, it's not anymore on the table as far as I understand. Oh, wow. So, it is all about politics, isn't it? Oh, it's sad. This is why we get the experts on here, Anne, because that was a lot of yes. very, very insightful information, George. I wasn't aware of any of that. So, I mean, do you think, so you were saying that they might even go back to talk to, again to the Lufthansa MSC combination as well? Yeah, Lufthansa is already in, uh, and they already discussed mm -hmm. about it, because the thing is that um, the Delta scheme, which um, was putting money together, uh, with uh, Centaris Fund, this this fund is the owner as well of major uh -huh. shareholder of Wizzair, uh, is also receiving indirectly money also from Air France KLM because Air France KLM does, is not allowed to purchase to do any purchases since they are already under the public uh, the governmental loan for the post-COVID um, uh, problems yes. that they had through Centaris they are entering this group. However, they are not giving uh, enough funds enough good enough let's call it like that to cover the the big hole of the um, of the debt that uh, ETA accumulated within this uh, one and a half year instead the MSC group which is the cruise company this major cruise company that um, brought in uh, Lufthansa in the game but not for more than 20 25 percent share in it they're putting much more cash on the table and therefore they are more than willing to listen to them back again and uh, maybe discuss about uh, their proposal again. Lufthansa was not giving any money, actually, for the first two years, uh, offering only commercial and strategic management and commercial collaborations. And then, according to how it will evolve, they would 
commit for another 20% uh, on the on the deal paying MSC in order to get their share. At least the lawyers are making money, right, George? Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> and not only the lawyers. Oh yes, I'm I'm sure that's that's actually been floating around, hasn't it, LinkedIn? The, I, I believe I sent it to you, Rian, but I think it's mm-hmm. been all over LinkedIn about the different consulting companies <laughs> and and there is this this uniform um, yes. suit, isn't there? Oh, it's so funny. Yes. Right it's now, funny. half of the ex Alitalia because. In Italy, most of the big, um, let's say, let's call it experienced uh, uh, professionals, they're coming all from Alitalia. Each mm-hmm. one of them has a consulting firm and uh, each one is, is linked to a party, which is directly or indirectly linked with the government and uh, with various parties. So everybody's in now, you know, everybody's going to get it. I, I knew it's going to happen that. So I definitely, after 24 years, I said um, that's enough for me uh, on the Italian governmental airlines and um, I'm I can moving imagine. on different directions. I can imagine. George, a question for you. I really wonder, I mean, you know, ITA was supposed to be a sort of fresh start, right? And and, exactly. and do things differently and, and you know, maybe um, cheaper distribution, cheaper cheaper hosting, cheaper leasing, cheap, you know, cheaper everything. Well, I mean, that probably takes forever to sort of explain why it didn't work. But um, your thoughts on, you know, how can it be losing that much money on a daily basis? It is. I mean, if you if you consider that, as you said, it's a fresh from scratch mm-hmm. uh, company that um, got governmental money, uh, and now, not only the first 700 million they got, they got over a second capitalization, uh, that recapitalization that happened for another 400 million, and Phew. they're also gone. Uh, well, it happened that, uh, first of all, the big problem is that uh, being a one-year-old company and not knowing if they will be on the, on the German um, axis or on the American, French, uh, Dutch um uh, axis on, on in terms of strategic management, they were not uh, uh, entering into important uh, code shares, and uh, they couldn't really uh, come up uh, on in terms of revenues on the part of the business plan that was saying, okay, yeah, we will be in Sky Team, so we will be able to have access on 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 other kind of product, which uh, as a pure ETA Airways we wouldn't be able to have. Then uh, it took much more longer to make um, uh, bilateral agreements between uh, all the airlines in order to bring in prorate rated uh, agreements or SPA agreements in order to uh, get them a little bit more externalize the product other than the pure point to point. As you understand, it was a new, um, it was a pure new airline. So it took also a long time to get the license to travel to USA. And all that uh-huh. during COVID right. period, which was yeah. not really easy. So they were, gain- they were getting from Alitalia 50 planes. They were all grounded. They were really not operating. Plus, they also paid another 100 million to Alitalia in order to buy a logo, the logo of Alitalia, which oh, they yes. never yeah. used. They just bought it. Um, to yeah, to protect the, protect the name. The yeah. And, yeah, the commercial value. So they, they at the end... And there was initially, yeah. in the initial business case of it, was was talking about if we have to rebrand ourselves, which means rebranding all airports, all products, all everything from scratch, mm-hmm. from Italian mm-hmm. to Italy, it would cost us about 400 to 500 million euros. 
and repainting all, uh, coloring all airplanes and uh, rebranding everything. So all that they are paying now and uh, the costs are quite high. This sounds like a, a case study of how not to do it, George, I have to say. Uh, big time. <laughs> I think Mohit wants to, yes, Mohit is asking to, to speak. A pleasure yes. to finally get to speak to you, Rian, and I think the jam is missing today. The bread is here. <laughs> <laughs> So, That's another T-shirt. You know, <laughs> the bread is here, but the jam is missing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I've been a part of this, uh, you know, uh, linking the travel industry for about, I think, uh, a few months now. I'm really loving it, you know, getting a summary of everything that's happening around. Uh, I had a few comments on, you know, how uh, George was explaining about the ITA. And when, when we hear the story from him, I can actually, uh, you know, give kudos to the Indian government to, you know, kind of transition Air India into the private Absolutely. sector, Tata. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, also, uh, things in India are actually heating up. You know, Tata's are actually ganging up now against Indigo, which owns more than 50% of the market share. They're like huge and they're like, I think, uh, one of the biggest in the world now. And I think it is an interesting time to see how this, uh, you know, evolves. Because uh, on the other side is, you know, Tata's with uh, Air India, Air India Express. They have Vistara as a brand that is co-shared with Singapore. And now with this AirAsia, you know, also exiting uh, the Indian market, that also comes under the, the entire umbrella of Tata. So I think, yeah, uh, it's getting really heated up here. And I think it's best for the consumers uh, because there is a lot of demand. And at the end of it, if there is good competition, the consumers win. So, yeah, I think that's that's what I had to share. Uh, and really, guys, uh, really missing missing Ash. Not I think too much, though, Marit. <laughs> Listen, I, I just want to say to you, Marit, thank you for being such a regular listener. We always see you in the audience. Yes. Thank you so much for giving us your time. It's, yeah. it's really nice. My pleasure. Can I, can I ask, um, Mohit, uh, just a quick question regarding Indigo? Um, very recently, uh, they changed the CEO. Is, uh, their CEO is Peter Elbers, very, the big celebrity CEO of the European Airlines, ex-KLM CEO. He he's t- preparing to throw a big some big commercial bombs in India right now, opening, uh, modernizing the company further and opening new route. How how is the exposure right now in India with him and with Indigo as well? I, we understand has already an important market share, but what is the perspective according to your opinion? Yeah, that's a good good one, George. I think yes, he's been the poster boy for our industry, at least from the European side for a long time. And I think Indigo has been uh, more of a domestic and an, uh, you know a regional kind of in, uh, brand. I think this lays foundation for it to go international. You can see with uh, that happening already with the recent announcements of you know Indigo, which has always been an Airbus uh, kind of an entity now being uh, you know exploring international routes with turkish airlines and i think uh, what indigo is now looking at you know a truly global airline they have you know uh, proved themselves at least in india and uh, some parts of southeast asia but i think uh, the next few years will be really interesting to see because startup airlines do really well when they are in a, a regional kind of a space but truly to go global i think uh, they need experience and you know they need and i think he's the right guy for that you're right, Mohit, Tata and Air India, that's the way to do it and not with, uh, like ITA did it. So very good to, to mention that. Absolutely. I also wish to say thank you so much to George and Mohit. It's always so engaging when we get more insights and having people joining us and chatting.
now we yes. have a very difficult thing to do. We have to do the closing without Osh. <laughs> and we still haven't got a T-shirt of the day, have we? we? No. Have a t-shirt of the day. I think maybe the T-shirt of the day could be ITA Airways, how not to do it. <laughs> yes. For those of the audience who joined us today, we do this weekly. So every Monday at this time, we have this session here, which is then recorded. It turns into a podcast. So if you did find this valuable and you know of others in the industry who would uh, enjoy this, but may may not have joined us today or be able to, to listen in on the Monday, podcast of this is published on uh, businesstravel360.com, or you can just uh, search for linking the travel industry on any of your podcast uh, applications. I think I did that right, Anne. So um, You did. You did very well. And thank you for your time and uh, see you next week, right? See you next week. This was Linking the Travel Industry. 